Um, so who is Dr. Kanile? Apart from what we see in social media, you know, the person that I'm seeing now, of course. <laughs> so who really are you? So um, apart from being a doctor, a mom, a wife, mm -hmm. um, I think the the core of who I am is a mental health advocate. Mm. So I think I try to live that through everything I do. Mm. So as a medical professional, I try to apply a biopsychosocial approach. So mm -hmm. biological being the physical stuff, yeah. us treating you, the medication we give you, etc. Mm -hmm. um, the psychological is how does whatever condition you're having and how, how whatever's happening in your life affect mm -hmm. your health uh, and vice versa. Mm -hmm. And then the social, like what implications does that have for your job, for mm -hmm. your family life, how you interact with other people. Um, so, you know, it's really difficult to go that, through that because people think it takes time, mm -hmm. but it actually doesn't. It maybe takes an extra two or three minutes to think about it, you know. Yeah. Um, the next thing would be just the... Um, moving into just my personal life with my family, mm -hmm. um, faith is a big part of that. And I think that's why I personally am able to uphold my mental health and mm. try to like support other people because I understand where my source of energy comes from. And then um, just moving on to what the work that I do with mental mm -hmm. matters. Um, you know, just giving people practical examples of yeah. what living mental health looks like. And mm. um, even though like some days I burn out, even though some, you know, some days I don't have the best day. Yeah. How do I like go back and reset? Mm. Um, so being a, uh, an advocate, a mental health advocate and a change maker in that space mm. is what I really, really appreciate. And I think that's the core of who I am. I love that. And now that you spoke of mental health, right, because you're the vice president of Mental Matters. And um, I think there's been a lot of awareness around mental matters, right? And I think people don't really still know what it really is because there's stress. And I think I still don't know what it is because <laughs> sometimes I'm like, okay, is my mental health being tested and tried yeah. if I am stressed at work? Right. So what is really mental health and how do you know that your mental health is being impacted? Mm. So the World Health Organization defined it in 2019. Right. Mm. So it's not necessarily the absence or the presence of all these things that we might think of stress and whatever, but mm. it's the ability of an individual mm -hmm. to perform at the expected capabilities in society mm. with normal stresses of life. Um, and they're able to contribute to the society, right? Mm. Um, it's also not the absence of a disorder. Yeah. So what that means is, if you look at you and I, mm -hmm. um, whatever society we are in, mental mm -hmm. health will change. If we're in a first world versus a third world yeah. country, if we're in a more progressive society versus a more traditional society, mm -hmm. definitions of mental health will change because the expectations on us will change. Mm. But also just within your own family, your mental health can be different, right? Yeah. Based on the role that you have. Mm -hmm. You also look at things like the societal stresses. Mm. So in South Africa, we don't have normal stresses, right? Yeah. We have things like load shedding. We have um, <laughs> interest rate hikes that are yeah. insane. Uh, we have unemployment. We have crime. Yeah. We have the gender-based violence uh, numbers that we have. So already the baseline of our society is so abnormal mm. that it's you're like this close to literally having mental health issues right mm. and then you're expected to contribute to your community so that could be anything i mean if you are someone who is a housewife mm -hmm. your community that you're contributing to could just be your That's family your home, yeah. if you are a ceo of a company your contribution is to your family mm -hmm. and you know and if you are someone who works as a teacher you know mm -hmm. so all those different things play into that and then the most important part and i always think people forget this is it's not the absence of disorder so mm. just because you don't have a diagnosis doesn't yeah. necessarily mean you don't have mental you don't health have mental issues okay. right mm -hmm. so um 
I use the typical example of myself as a medical doctor. Mm -hmm. I mean, I see people dying. I have to resuscitate people. I see, you know, I hear of horrible stories, mm -hmm. but um, I necessarily don't have a diagnosis of a disorder. Mm -hmm. But it doesn't mean those things haven't affected me. And there's different triggers I have in my life mm -hmm. that help me realize, oh, okay, wait, I'm starting to go back. I need to come back yeah, to, to my mental back. health. So it's, it's all of those things play into a person mm -hmm. and your mental health plan and my mental health plan will not look the same because we're different people. Mm -hmm. We get affected by things differently. Yeah. And that's the most important part. It's not only prayer. It's not only medication. Mm -hmm. It's not only exercise. It's a plan that we put together in a biopsychosocial approach mm. that helps us get to where we need to be. I like that. So for you, when you got into mental matters, was it really from a personal experience or is it just from, you know, what you've seen other people experience and you felt, I need to get into this and bring more awareness and help everyone else? Mm, exactly. So my friend Google, who's actually the person who started mental mm. matters, was having a seminar and she asked me to come one day to speak about... Um, you know, depression, so mm. major depressive disorder, MDD. Um, and so I decided, you know what, I think there's going to be people who have been living with mental health mm -hmm. um, issues, yeah. people who have family members, mm -hmm. as well as uh, other healthcare professionals, either mm -hmm. psychologists, uh, physiotherapists, etc., yeah. um, who were there. And so I thought what it would be nice to do is to explain to people why we give them the medication we mm. give them. Because we all can Google what depression is. We it's can true. all Google like what are the yeah. symptoms and all of that. But we don't actually know like when someone says take this medication. Yeah. Like what is that medication going to do to me? Mm. Why do I need to take it for so long? Mm. How is it affecting the chemicals in my brain? Is that even like natural? Yeah. And so that's what we decided to do. And I think from then, every event we've had after that mm -hmm. was going towards how do we bridge the gap between the understanding from the patient side mm -hmm. and the understanding from the healthcare worker side. Mm -hmm. So the patient side could be the actual person taking the medication or even family members mm -hmm. who have to support or friends who have to support that person, mm -hmm. um, employers who have to support that person. What does that look like? Yeah. Um, so we, we talk about so many things and I think... Um, for me, it helps me become a better doctor because mm -hmm. if I know why you are not wanting to take the medication, it could be making you sleepy and you work at night. Mm. It could be making you um, gain weight and you are someone who needs to be in shape and you need to mm. be skinny um, for your career. You know, that kind of stuff helps me have insights into what you're going through mm. and helps me adjust that plan to your life. Makes sense. I love that. You know, because I think also even men and women deal with it differently. I don't know if I'm right. I think because generally with women, we do talk about a lot of how we feel easily and often and men don't really speak about it. So what do you think um, should be done in order to make men be aware of their mental health a bit more? So I think the most important thing for me is that with men, they they do talk, right? Men talk all the time. They just mm -hmm. don't talk about the things the way that we do. Uh, so I will check out on you. I'll be like, Nagi girl, mm, what's going on? Mm. I can see that you're feeling and changing, mm -hmm. whatever, whatever. Whereas men will say, I'm so stressed. Yeah. But nobody really inquires into what's, what's stressing, stressing them. So true. men are actually talking to each other all the time. They're actually telling each other, mm. um, either through their body language, through their behaviors, that you know something is happening in my mm. life. The onus is then on the people around them to say, okay, what's going on? Mm. But also, if you as a man are going through something, it's important to say, you know, or find one person in your life who you can speak to and say, mm. listen, I need your advice on something. Or mm. sometimes I just need to just 
get it off my chest yeah. you don't always have to give advice and you don't always have to have someone telling you what to do mm. sometimes you just need to vent and i think that's what women are really good at we are like girl this one and we're like yeah. yes one friend <laughs> i'm ready Why to talk about it and yeah. you say, i know and is and you will so- go into it exactly sure. whereas yeah. with guys they always want to give like solutions okay cool you're fine let's move on yeah so sometimes you don't have to and i, I it's funny because i always have to tell my husband that and i'm like He's like, do you want an answer or do you want to meet him? Yeah. I'm like, I just need to listen. <laughs> I'm just, I just want to cry. And he'll be like, okay, okay. You just want listening Are right now. Are you fine now? I'm like, yeah, you're fine. Yeah, sometimes you just want to vent. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> it makes so much sense. So you spoke a bit about the some of the challenges that you have as a doctor, right? Yeah. Like, you know, you watching people die, you watching, you know, having to, what did you call it? Resuscitate. Resuscitate. Resuscitate yes. people. So one thing that I've noticed about being a medical doctor is I think it has to be a calling. Yeah. <laughs> it's not those professions that you do because they're cool. It's not those professions you do because both your parents did it. You know, I think it's really a calling because it can take a toll on your emotions and everything around you. So how did you, how have you persevered through the medical profession itself as well as the entire journey of you qualifying as a medical doctor? So I think the first thing is when I started medicine, before I even mm-hmm. did medicine, the things yeah. I applied for in varsity mm-hmm. and the things I did in high school mm-hmm. were geared towards really like understanding how to balance my life. So I did mm. everything. I did sports. I did cultural stuff. I did yeah. presenting. I did modeling. I did blah, blah, blah. But I also maintained my grades. Mm. So because I was used to that balance and juggling my life, it made mm-hmm. it easier to go into medicine. Because when you're in, in med school, mm-hmm. your classes are eight to five every day. Like yeah. you're going in, nobody's checking on, on you. Nobody's seeing if you understand the work. Like you have to be yeah. very self-motivated and self-driven. Mm. So even when I applied, the things I applied for were I want to be able to help people mm-hmm. and I want to know that I'm not going to be bored so I need to continually like motivate myself in just by the nature of the work. Mm. So I actually did accounting, oh, uh, really? teaching, okay. and then medicine. And then I got into medicine. The other thing you need to understand about medicine is it doesn't matter how smart you are. Mm-hmm. Um, if you don't know how to take initiative, get your hands dirty, ask yeah. questions, be willing to look like an idiot. Mm. You can have all of that knowledge sitting in your head, but a lot of medicine is actually doing. It's mm. figuring out like how to talk to people. It's figuring out how to get patients to cooperate with you. Mm. It's learning that stuff. So um, don't worry about studying. Look at what people are doing. Mm. And I think that's the other thing is, I a lot of people used to get annoyed with me in classes. I was always that one. <laughs> Sorry, I just don't understand. I need to know yeah but I knew that that was going to help benefit me and mm. probably a lot of other people were thinking the same thing but yeah. they didn't want to like hold back Voice the class out, and I yeah. have no problem doing that I'm like listen yeah seven people probably have the same question on the back of their mind mm. and if you guys are going to think that like I mean I wouldn't be annoying about it but yeah if it was a really important question I would ask it right mm. I think the third thing you need to understand about medicine is it is a calling but it's also a choice. Mm. So the best way I can describe it is think about yourself at three o'clock in the morning, right? So firstly, mm-hmm. all you want to do is sleep. You could even be, even when you're out partying yeah. at three o'clock, like three o'clock, you're like, okay, it's, it's time to go home. Yeah. All right. Um, okay. That's just some of you. Like some people <laughs> are wild. It's yeah. But at three o'clock in the morning, mm-hmm. you have to imagine that everyone is asking for you to do something. Everybody, mm-hmm. the nurses, the patients, the patient's families, um, your colleagues, you also are expected to function as if it was eight o'clock in the morning. 
Mm-hmm. So you can't now dip down your energy because it's... Th- no. Yeah. You also have to understand that you might not have eaten for a while because it's just so busy. Mm-hmm. And then you also have to understand that your eyes are burning because you just want to sleep. But you must continue. So you're hungry. Sure. You're tired. Yeah. You're being like demanded everywhere mm-hmm. by so many other people and mm-hmm. it also burns out. Mm. If you are willing to know who you are and why you are in that position mm. at that moment then do medicine oh. because it you can do it you can mm-hmm. physically do it there's red bull there's all these other like things yeah. that you can take but if you don't understand the basis of why you are in that You're position, there what you are there for who you are there to save or who you are there to help whether it's yourself your family mm-hmm. the people that you're going to help there's nothing that's going to make that worth it and mm. so sometimes a calling can also be a curse but sure. you can make it that you yeah. can make it that because you're not willing to do the self-work and i think I always tell the, 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 my interns, I'm like, take care of yourself now. Mm-hmm. Because, and even my students, take care of yourself before you have to take on the big responsibilities. Mm. Because now you've, you're covered by all of us. Yeah. We've done this before. We know like how to how cover to, you. Yeah. But if you don't learn that, next year when you're on your you're own. You're the senior. And you have to make this decision. Mm. What are you going to do? And you don't want to have your mental health break then. Because yeah. oh, I didn't know what to do. Do the hard work now. Like... We, we're here to cover This you. is when to do it. 100%. Sure. So how do you avoid, like, because obviously you do have those moments of, I could have done more. Maybe Ooh. I didn't, Ooh. you know? So how do you avoid the mood that you're in at work to transfer to who you are at home? I delegate. So mm. a lot of my, my life I delegate. So for mm. example, with uh, my studying and stuff, mm-hmm. um, my family now knows that, okay, if I need to study, um, hubby will take the baby mm-hmm. my mom will come over and help babysit mm-hmm. or she'll go away for the weekend and I communicate that very like we even have a whatsapp group yeah. and I put dates and I'm like listen these are the that. weekends I'm working yeah. everybody grab a weekend right mm-hmm. even with my friends I ask them like sometimes I just need like four hours to sleep or mm-hmm. I just need to you know something you know then someone will take on um, take that responsibility my nanny's incredible mm-hmm. um but even at work like people always have this mentality that i want to show off and i want to like show them yeah I can, do it. I can do it but sometimes the best managers and the best leaders know teach how their to people delegate. how to do it and you have to do that because yeah sometimes sitting at work and watching at watching the team work is actually what you need to be doing mm. because you're just there to make sure that person is doing their responsibility that person is doing their responsibility how's everybody doing and i constantly communicate like i'm just like yeah. guys, i need closed loop communication like, you seem like can that you manager. do this <laughs> can you do this is this being yeah. done yes it is you know i, I need that because mm-hmm. i know that i will burn out and i've done it's, it before because yeah, you want to like Yes, I've got it on the floor and I'm going to be able to... No, don't worry, I'll do it mm. myself. No, that person needs to learn yeah, how, to do, how to do it. And me doing it is going to take that responsibility away from them. And then mm. they're not going to do it because they're mm. like, oh, Kanye will do it. It's fine. Yeah. So delegation really is the way that I've been able to like maintain the ability to do all of this stuff. Mm. But also, I, I understand why I'm doing something. So mm. if I feel like I'm overwhelmed, I step back and I'm saying, am I overwhelmed because... I feel pressure to do this thing because I, mm. I don't need to do it. Um, it's just something I, I chose to do, you know? Yeah. Or is this actually something that I'm overwhelmed about because it's so much, it's so important to what I have to do. Mm. And then that helps me understand why I'm feeling what I'm feeling. And it literally takes two minutes. I just take a deep breath and I'm like, what's going on? Mm. And then I'm like, okay, it's pressure. Then I call Habsi about it and I cry for like five minutes <laughs> and then I carry on. 
I love that. So that's how you also take care of your mental health then. Definitely. People, people, <laughs> I cry for everything. Like everything. I could be happy. So, yeah. I could be sad. Yeah. I could be tired. I could be hungry. Hamzi even knows, like he just, he calls me waterworks. He calls me varumbat because oh, no. that's all I do. Like if I'm. You will cry. If I'm in a state, I will cry. So it's difficult sometimes to do that at work. Mm. So that's why I do it in the car on the way home. <laughs> oh. <laughs> It's okay to cry. 100%. I, I learned to learn. Like I, I remember growing up, whenever I'd cry, my mom would be like, "You can't cry for everything." And I got to a point where I wouldn't cry she at hasn't all. She has made me grow. <laughs> I cry for everything. Yeah, no, I think it's important. It, mm. it, it just really helps you to tone down. Mm. So tell me, what have you learned from being a mother? Oh, um, I've learned the resilience of the human like spirit. Mm -hmm. So my child, if she wants to do something, she'll mm -hmm. get it done. Hey. And it makes me understand that I, as a mom, just have to give her the tools mm -hmm. that she needs to get it done. Yeah. And I always say this, she can't read, but that alphabet hip hop song, she will <laughs> she find it on my phone. She knows where to go. <laughs> she now knows that she needs yeah. a face to unlock the phone. Oh. So like, if she wants to get it done, it's going to happen. If she wants something that's in a cupboard somewhere, mm -hmm. whether she has to go and grab me to go and like open it, yeah. you know, so she's very like like exploratory about her environment and the other thing she's taught me is that i just need to give her things to do and she yeah. decide what she does and doesn't want to do mm. i mustn't say oh no she's too young to read yeah. or, oh yo she's too young for this i just do the thing and mm -hmm. whatever she takes to that's what she takes ah. so um even now she's able to like read letters and she's able to like sing songs and yeah. all of that because we just do the thing and she takes it um and the third thing she's taught me is that beauty really really is like skin deep mm. because i think she's such a kind like gentle human being mm. and she's such a i always say she's such a lady Aww. like she's not like me i'm a thug like we're good to go <laughs> she you know? didn't get it from mama that no no i'm i'm like let's go but i think it's also because like the people yeah. around you she's taught me to pray for the people around around mm. her um and that's just not just us as a family but also my nanny who helps her out mm. um every day because she spends most of her day with her yeah um and i've i've had to actually pray and say you know god please this lady is leaving her family to come and take care of my child so mm. that i can go and take care of other people's children you know mm. so i understand the sacrifice she's making so yeah it's praying into her and her family it's praying into the people who are my doctors um, you know, the people who take care of me, mm -hmm. whether it's, you know, my management team, or yeah. it's praying for those people because I see physically what her life looks like because mm. I've prayed for that person. So it's, it just how you never know why, but you just have to do it. Yeah. I love that. And do you have any like mistakes you feel you made into motherhood? Because I think with motherhood, right, it's really a learning journey and it's a learning curve as well. And I think it's in those mistakes that you actually um, learn and it's in those mistakes that you get to grow as well as a person. Mm. So do you have like some mistakes that you feel you made and, you know, as you grow as a mother, you're like, okay, I think I know better here now. Yeah. I think it's not mistakes per se because mm -hmm. I would probably do the same thing with the information I had then again anyway <laughs> yeah. because I didn't know better. Yeah. So I think it would be more like choices I made. Mm. Um, so I think the one was um, when I was on my maternity leave, I tried mm -hmm. to do like some work while being on maternity leave. Mm -hmm. And I realized that then when I went back to work, I was like missing her so much because yeah. I'm just like, no, I should have. So 
I think I would have spent like all the time fully with her mm -hmm. because um, work is not going to go anywhere. Mm -hmm. But that time I have with her is. She's never going to be that small again. Mm -hmm. And I'm never going to be able to just completely be immersed in yeah, her, you know, her particularly. Mm -hmm. um, so I think that's, that's the one thing I would have chosen to do differently. It's just, just focus on her completely. Mm -hmm. um, and I think, yeah, I think it's, it's like a learning journey every day. And I think one thing that I release myself of is... Mm -hmm. You're, you're never a bad parent. You just make bad choices. That's very true. I always right. say that. Yeah. And so, and even the choices you make in that moment mm. might not be bad because it's just the information. It's just what happened. What you have at the moment exactly. as well. Yeah. You know, so yeah. I think I have, I've had to be like more gentle with myself, especially mm. because daddy spends more time with her than I do just mm. in general, just because I work so much. Yeah. Um, but I think the other thing I really appreciate about like kids is like, she knows I'm her mommy. Like the minute I walk in, she's like, mommy, mommy. mommy. Yeah, and she that's comes so to you, she's like, hello, mommy. And then we like sit and then, hello, dear, hello, how are you? She's like, I'm fine, mommy. And then we carry on. So I think that's, she knows that yeah. I'm her mom and she knows that I'm doing the best for her. Oh. And even if it might not like come out as in the words, I'm doing my mm. best. When I'm with her, it's like me and you. Even present. if it's for that hour, yeah. like I have to go study, but I'm here with you. Mm. And yeah. I like that. Mm. Sure, that's Thank beautiful. You. That's beautiful. And you are a great mom. I mean, I, I see what you do even on social media. And I see, like, the, about, the one thing about you is, when I was introduce you, introducing you, I was about to say, good morning, everybody. <laughs> <laughs> but the one thing about you, you're not just, you know, lively on social media or the mother you on social media. You see it even in how you speak and how you mm. approach things. So um, you also mentioned God. Mm. You seem to mention God a lot. So tell me, how has your spirituality and your relationship with God um, modeled how you are as a doctor, mm. as a mother, as a friend, as a wife? Mm. Yeah. Um, so the first thing I think is understanding that Jesus came as a servant of the mm. people. This is a man who's the king. He's a literally yeah. God in human form. But this man had no qualms about serving people, mm. helping children, preaching um, to young, old, mm. you know, Pharisee, you know, he didn't, he didn't have yeah. a qualm about who you were. Mm. But he also particularly understood that because I am a child of God, mm. it doesn't matter what you say about me because it's not going to change that. It's one, yeah. Right? So you can treat me how you want to, but it doesn't mean I have to change how I treat you. Mm. And if I'm just consistent. So for me, that helps me treat people consistently. Mm. It says you could be, and it's so funny because <laughs> when I'm at work, yeah. we'll be in a round with prof, we'll be in a round with an intern. I'll be like, wow, prof. And then, <laughs> and we'll be like chatting, like this is how yeah. you know we are. And yeah. um, it's still very respectful. Mm. Um, if if someone puts their foot down and this is what it is, that's mm -hmm. what it is. You know, it's not like I challenge them because I'm disrespecting them. It's also me like engaging with them. Mm. So I think people see that and they understand that I'm there to really humble myself, but yeah. also serve the people mm. I'm here for. Um, I think it's also, you know, Jesus did things. He was excellent in everything mm. he did. You know, the way he loved, the way he served, the way he just spoke to people. Mm. Even if you don't think it's excellent, like, it was excellent, you know? yeah. So I think it's it's understanding that what I do needs to be excellent, not because it's me who needs to be excellent, but mm -hmm. I, I understand that God put that excellence in me. So I want mm -hmm. that to shine through. I want that to, when people see like, yo, how does Kanye do this? I must be like, <laughs> true, oh, yeah. God, you know? Um, and I think the other thing I really appreciate about his example is that 
he understood that he is who he is and the people around him are not perfect. Mm. And he didn't expect perfection of them. True. He just expected love. Whether they make choices, I mean, you had a whole pizza like my mm. bestie, my ride or die, denying yeah, no, two that. times. <laughs> Get up. Yeah. But he didn't say, I'm not going to love you. Because he knew it was going to yeah. happen, but he didn't say, I'm going to love you less or more. Mm. I'm going to love you for who you are. And I just want you to know that even when those things happen, you know you can still come to me. And I think that's one thing I love about my friends. It's like, we have people who are doctors, we have people who are yeah. entrepreneurs, we have people who um, are in the media space, mm. people who don't like social media at all. Mm -hmm. But we're able to just support each other and Everyone. love each other because we understand that you are in your field and that's what you're doing. That's um, true. And mm -hmm. I think just all the people in my life, um, I hope that they, they can feel God's love when, yeah. you know, when they when they meet me and when we sit together. And that's why I love my friends. Like, I love hanging out with my friends. Yeah. Because we just speak life into each other. My family. That's that's just what we do, yeah. I've really seen how you and your friends connect. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I think you've just given, like, the proper definition of what love is, you know? Mm -hmm. Because I think sometimes we use the word love so carelessly. But it's loving people even when they're not lovable, you know? Yes. Just being able to extend yourself to people with everything that you have. And I see you do that a lot. You pour mm -hmm. out... With your, I think you obviously pour out to each other, you know, in your life with your friends, with your husband, with your baby, um, and everybody around you. So you obviously are not pouring from an empty cup as well, right? So what fills up your cup? Um, so besides just spending time with God, even if it's for five minutes in the morning, mm. um, it's worship music. Like I love singing, like I love making a noise and mm -hmm. stuff. So in the car, that's what I do. It'll be just joyous music all the way. Sometimes it's even like a, a song that makes me like feel like, mm. okay, I need to like really go in and feel what I'm feeling. Um, the other thing that really helps me fill my cup is just my child. Like she's just, when she wakes up in the morning, she like just smiles at you. And you know, the fact that she can do that mm -hmm. every single day gives me the ability to do that because yeah. like, yeah, I've got all this stuff, but at least like I'm alive and I'm here and I'm here to like, you know, just love people. Yeah. Um, I think the other thing is just having the relationships I have mm -hmm. with the people who are in my life, um, but also the understanding the purpose of the work I'm doing. Mm -hmm. So the work I do is really challenging. It's really difficult. It's mm -hmm. like a lot of brain energy and stuff, but I can, I can now start to feel that like I'm, I'm getting mm -hmm. better at what I do. I'm, I'm starting to understand it better. I mean, yeah. there are still, still things I need to learn. You're still you learning. Know? But it's just like seeing how senior I've become and mm. seeing how like, it's actually like, it's How happening. you've grown over time. Yeah. yeah. So I think just knowing that studying more, reading more, doing more is making me better at helping people and going out and like showing people what great mental health can look like. Mm. Um, even when I have my stumbling blocks. I think that for me is really amazing. And then also just like hearing um, just some of the feedback that people give me when I run into them or when I see them, that really like fuels me and it, it helps me understand why I'm doing what I'm doing. So mm. um, like it's just it's actually just love that fuels me really, just love from everywhere. Oh, I love that. <laughs> I love it. it Thank is you. Love. I love it. Okay, so... Dr. Kanile, mm. you are also an author. Oh, wow, yes. all this that you have. <laughs> so you co-authored TD Talks, period, yes. right? So um, it's sort of trying to bridge the gap between parents and uh, girl-child on menstruation, right? 
what um, inspired you to write the book? Was it from personal experiences as well, or was it just because you thought people needed to hear this? <laughs> so community health is at the heart of who I am. Yeah. I really love the ability to go out into community, mm -hmm. teach someone something about health, and then mm -hmm. they're able to teach others so mm -hmm. that I don't always have to keep coming back. I'm, I love empowering yeah. communities in these spaces, right? So DD Talks was something that came about because Farah Fortune, who I wrote the book with, mm -hmm. approached me saying, listen, we need to do something that's going to help people um, just yeah. have this conversation in mm -hmm. a healthy, safe way, but also like empower them, you know, to, mm. to open up and break down the stigmas that mm. we have around menstruation. And um, so I pulled in my friend Tanda Zile. She's mm -hmm. a, a foundation-based teacher. Mm -hmm. She's also what she, what she calls a change agent teacher, which I really love because she uses conversations in mm -hmm. the spaces that she's in to yeah. really like help kids think and also ask questions at home when they go mm -hmm. home and be like, "Mommy, what is this?" You know. Yeah. Um. So we got together. We wrote the book, and what I enjoy about it is we mm -hmm. we use factual terms. We don't okay. use you know like jargon or like um, things that people might not. Like understand yeah we want like the factual to be clear because mm -hmm. we think that children need to also know what it is because mm. when you make something like cute sounding like a cookie or whatever then they think it's a nice thing true or they think it's like yeah this is okay yeah you know? but we want them to know the real fact the reality terms. of it mm. um because then they can say mommy this person touched me here and it, that's what it is mm. everybody mm. knows exactly what it is it's a safe word right to mm -hmm. use we also think it's important for us to educate boys girls parents grandparents teachers mm. in that space because when we all know the language to use when mm. we're talking about it it becomes easier to talk about it it's not like um so um your red robot is <laughs> it's like no you're say it like it is say yeah it like it is. so in the book we have a conversation between kids on the playground uh -huh. we have a conversation between a mother and a daughter and mm -hmm. um, we also have a conversation um, between like a health educator mm. and sister Zimasa, as well as Didi Malo who's our main character so Didi talks to her friends Tariq mm -hmm. um, and Layla on the playground they go through yeah. all the questions you know how that what does it look like? Yeah. You know? And we just want you to see what it is so that mm. when someone comes to you, like, oh, yeah, I've seen this before. I see. This is a really easy thing. And if someone says something to you that doesn't make sense, you're like, no, that, that's not it true. It doesn't add up, yeah. Like, your period doesn't last for seven years. Like, it, it lasts for yeah. you know, a set amount of time. This is what your mm -hmm. cycle is. We can, we can clearly define that, you know? Mm. Um, we use evidence-based medicine. We use guidelines. We also have a really nice guide at the back mm -hmm. of the book so that parents... Uh, and other people in the that are taking care of your child mm -hmm. will also have questions that you can like have conversations around at home. Oh, so even like a, you can read it between like your son and your daughter, just so that they're yes. both aware of what this is about. Yes, you should read it. And just because you are a girl doesn't mean we, you must only have this book. We want fathers to read it with their sons. Mm. We want fathers to read it with their daughters. We want uncles to read it with everyone. So it, it's a book that anybody can read. There's different yeah. characters in the book. Um, and we just want you to be able to like open up the book and have a conversation. You can do two pages a day, mm -hmm. answer some questions, chat to each other about it. And um, I really love the book because Naledi, our illustrator, she's now 19. Yeah. So at the time she was in matric yeah. and she did the book for us. And she also like just brought it to life so beautifully mm -hmm. that it's just like cool to look at. And it's like, oh, okay. This is cool. interesting. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I want to read it as well. Yes. You know, I never had like an issue with, talking about menstruation or periods or whatever, I never had an issue with anybody. And I think my mom always used to be like, 
it's not everyone you have to talk about it with. <laughs> no, no, it's a chance. Like, I mean, talk about yeah, it like it's a you know? Talk about it like it's a school. It's, it's a normal thing. Going? Like, are you feeling? Are you mm-hmm. okay with like your menstrual um, menstrual stuff? Like, what's going on? Um, you know, like, I think you don't necessarily have to do it like at a party. Mm. But if you're sitting with your family, everybody's, at least half of the people in your family are probably going or have gone through a menstruation. Mm. And the other half know someone who are going through a menstruation. Yeah. So it's important that we talk about this, right? Yeah. I think I ne- what I needed to know as a child was, it's some people will start much earlier than others. Yes. Some people will start much later than others because I didn't get the memo. And I was all over the place. My parents were worried as well. It was crazy. But before we let you go, mm. I need to understand from a medical a professional perspective right and you're also very active on instagram um is it also social media platforms you're also on tiktok yeah right? so mostly instagram mm-hmm. but also tiktok and facebook yeah. oh and yes. yes okay so how um how do you make sure that you're still within line with the regulations of mm-hmm. your medical profession because i think with certain professions they do not allow you to post certain things or to say certain things on social media so how do you ensure that and what are just some of the um what can i call them like some of the things that you've learned lessons you've Mm. heard mistakes you've probably made yeah Yeah, so i mean we are regulated by the poppy act Mm -hmm. so that would be you not just for um you know social media but it also regulates private information right Mm -hmm. so um i personally don't show my daughter on social media as well Mm -hmm. because i understand that children need to be protected by the act but also personal information, patients I encounter, um, you know, people that I work with. You know, if, if someone is on my social media and I work with them, I've gotten their consent. I don't just walk Post. around posting people, you know. Because okay. I also, you know, people, you know, have different understandings of what mm. they're doing and why they're doing it, right? True. Um, the other thing I, I learned to do more and more is I post my experience of something in a way that's going to be helpful. So I don't mm. say, oh my gosh, I hate working here. It's mm. so destructive and whatever. I say, guys, you know what? I'm really tired. The system is really, really difficult. Yeah. But learn to work the system. Mm. It doesn't make sense that I'm just complaining about it the whole time. There's a lesson behind it. But also, I don't want people to think I'm ungrateful. I really mm. am grateful that I'm in that space. And I really see the challenges there as a learning curve as to how can I, as a doctor, a mental health advocate, as a senior leader, how can I improve the conditions for the people? Mm. What does that mean? And, and what information do I need to give to lawmakers and people who are watching mm. to help us improve our working conditions, right? Mm. Um, and I think the last thing is, I think I, I try not to take myself so seriously. So like, listen, if I am seeing Hubsy doing something, I will post about it. Yeah. Um, people are always like, um, why are you always posting when you're going out? And I'm like, oh, because I go out. I mean, it's my page after it's, all. It's my page. Like, <laughs> I'm not going to be like falling yeah. all over the floor and oh my gosh, throwing up everywhere. That, yeah. That's, no, that's no, a no, bit no, much. That's I think there is still some decorum, you know? Yeah. But I think like, we are doctors. We love having a good time. Mm. But I also need you to see that that good time is not going to affect my work. Yeah. Like, I, that time is there. Mm-hmm. I've done that. I went to bed. I slept. I drank my water. I ate my food. I exercised. I did what I needed mm-hmm. to do. So that I can maintain myself for work. And yeah. I think a lot of people um, tend to blur that line um, between work and play. Mm. Um, and as a medical doctor, I want you to see that, yes, we can have fun, but we take our jobs very, very seriously. Very seriously. And if I ask for something at work, like, it needs to be done. Yeah. And, like, a lot of my juniors, sometimes the first time they meet me, they're just like, Ooh. and I'm like, I, I play. <laughs> 
but when it's time to work we work yeah yeah. i love that and on that note everybody we've come to the end of our episode it was such a beautiful episode it was such a delight to have you dr kanile please don't forget to subscribe like share and comment and also follow her on social media i'm going to put her handle um in the video as well as in the description box so yeah thank you for coming